last Sunday together, I brought to you the idea of Christmas joy. And it's not too hard to do that, is it, this time of year, to think about Christmas joy, right? Have you experienced some of that already today? Have you experienced some of that Christmas joy this week? I asked you last week to think carefully about whether you'd be able to find a reason for joy at Christmas if we if we got rid of all the celebrating, you know what I mean, all the all the decorating and and the Christmas music and the gift giving and the cookies. Uh, we have to get rid of the cookies. You know, if you take away all the Christmas celebrating and all the things that we think of as Christmas joy, would you still be able to find a reason for joy? And I think we we do. We find many reasons for joy. We did last week as we came to Luke's gospel. We're going there again. Go with me to Luke chapter 2. We began looking in, in Luke chapter 2 last week, and we saw several reasons for joy at the birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So even if somebody came along and took away all the celebrating, would we be able to find a reason for joy? Absolutely, we'd still rejoice, wouldn't we? And we're going to look at a few more verses here in Luke chapter 2 today, and we're going to see that there are even more reasons than the ones we saw last time. And of course, one of the places we hear reminders of the real reasons for joy are often in the songs we sing. We just sang some songs that we often sing at Christmas time. There's another one, the, the song Joy to the World, right? Joy to the World, that's a familiar hymn written by Isaac Watts, who wrote uh, this, this wonderful song that we sing so much at Christmas time. In fact, we've sung it uh, several times in the last few weeks, and we're going to sing it again before we, we leave today. And I like it so much. It's one of my favorite Christmas songs. I, getting ready for breakfast this morning, everybody was uh, upstairs getting ready. I was downstairs, and I, I found one of my favorite Joy to the World renditions and cranked up the speakers really loud so everybody could hear Boxcar Willie sing Joy to the World. That's what? What? I like that. I, I was, he's really good. I wish I could sing like Boxcar Willie. We uh, we rejoice, don't we? And we have some of these songs that remind us of these real and and truly wonderful reasons for joy, especially as we this at this time of year think about the birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. But as followers of Christ, we have every reason to be joy filled throughout the year. Would you agree with that? Isaac Watts sums it up really well in the first verse of his song, Joy to the World. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room, and heaven and nature sing. Just think of it. Just think of it with me, would you? Just as we noted here last time in Luke 2, here's real reason for joy. Think of it. God became flesh. God took on human flesh. God came in the form of a babe and was born God incarnate and and came into very lowly circumstances, the lowly circumstances of his birth. Hey, even think about that. The lowly circumstances of his birth give us great reason for joy when we realize that Jesus wasn't too good to lower himself to take on flesh like yours and mine and to be born in those lowly circumstances. And then for the whole reason, we just sang of it just before we we came to the, the time for the message, we just sang of the death of Christ. The babe was born so that he could die to take the punishment for our sins. 
And there's great reason for joy in that. And in that too, we rejoice. He did indeed come to save his people from their sins. And not only that, but we talked about it last time, the timing of the circumstances, all of this was under God's control, which is another reason for great joy as we understand that each of our days is in God's hands. We see it demonstrated in the text of Luke 2, and there are even more reasons for joy here. I want to begin at verse 1 this morning. Are you in Luke 2? Would you follow along in your copy of God's Word as I read from mine, beginning in verse 1? I'm going to start in verse 1, but we're going to pick up in our study in verse 8. Let's just begin in verse 1, Luke 2. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration with Quirinius, uh, when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And verse 8 says, And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Verse 15 says, When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, They made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child, and all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart, and the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Would you pray with me? Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you. What a precious day we have here set aside to gather together for worship, for the study of your word, for these reminders from this precious book you've been so good and gracious to give us in your word. And God, I pray as we gather together to rejoice this morning that we would truly have the truest of joy founded in, based on the Lord Jesus Christ, that our joy would be found in him and him alone. God, I pray, make your people a joy-filled people. Help us to be Christ-honoring, God-glorifying in our example, in our witness. And Lord, I pray, strengthen us today for the week ahead that we might go from this place and live in this world, in this community, as joy-filled believers, as only joy-filled believers can. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
yes, there are plenty of reasons for Christmas joy. There are more here as we pick up in verse 8 from where we left off last time. And when we come to verse 8, you see it here. We're leaving the scene of the birth of Christ. We're leaving the cattle stall. We're leaving the manger. And where, where are we going? We're entering into the rocky rocky hillsides, right? The pastures where there, there are shepherds taking care of their sheep. And when the angel of the Lord comes to the shepherds, we hear these wonderful words in verse 10. And we ought to hear them not only for the shepherds, but for us too. Fear not. Fear not, for behold, I bring you, verse 10, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. You see, the angel of the Lord may have frightened the shepherds at first, but the shepherds were going to be quickly learning here that there was no reason for fear because the angel had good news, right? Good news, great news, good news of great joy. In fact, just the opposite would soon be the response of the shepherds. Instead of fear, they would be joy-filled. We see it in our passage, don't they? They go away rejoicing after they find Jesus, the Christ child. Yes, great joy, Christmas joy, but I want you to know why. Three reasons I want to give you this morning. Because the angel brings them, first of all, good news of a Savior which is born who is Christ the Lord, verse 11, right? Christ the Lord, Jesus, came to save his people from their sins, we hear from Matthew 121. A Savior who is Christ the Lord come to save his people from their sins. Yes, this Savior who is Christ the Lord would live a life that would rescue the souls of all who put their faith in him. The sinless life of Jesus Christ. John the Baptist, in fact, when he saw Jesus coming, would declare it, John one twenty nine. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And 1 John 3.5 tells us that Jesus was the spotless, sinless Lamb of God, saying, He appeared to take away sins, and in Him there is no sin. Incredible. Think of it. None of us can say that about ourselves. None of us are sinless. None of us are without guilt, yes? And so Jesus, the sinless one, came to be the sacrificial lamb of God, as Colossians 1.20 tells us, making peace by the blood of his cross. So yes, there's great joy in the rejoicing around the birth of Jesus Christ. Yes, there's good news of great joy, and it's joy that's all because a Savior was born, Christ the Lord. Amen? Great reason for joy. Note too, note also here that the good news points to great reason for Christmas joy in that the birth of Christ was announced to shepherds. And in case you didn't know this, shepherds were not people who were highly esteemed in that society, okay? They were not highly esteemed individuals in that society. And, and God chose to announce the birth of the, His incarnate Son, God in flesh. He chose to announce the birth of Jesus Christ to lowly shepherds. There's a reason for rejoicing there. It's incredible. The arrival of Christ the Lord was not given to royalty. When the world celebrates, how do they do it? 
The world celebrates by making press releases, right? And they want to invite the most important and prestigious people to come alongside and rejoice and celebrate with them, right? But that's not how God announced the birth of Jesus Christ. The arrival of Christ's Lord was not given to royalty. It wasn't given to the rich. It wasn't given to the powerful. The angel of the Lord said in verse 10 that this good news, look at verse 10. Please look at it because there's some wonderful news here. This good news will be for all the people. You see, in other words, the good news is given for all mankind. So it's not reserved for the privileged few, is it? Jesus Christ is the way of salvation made available to all mankind. With no distinction as to status or station in life. And the point is this. You need not be among the wealthy. You need not be among the well-known. You need not be among the powerful or the educated to be saved from your sin. Being saved from your sin is available to anyone who will believe in Jesus Christ. And that is great reason for Christmas joy, yes? great reason. That's just the way God works. Isn't that incredible how God works? We hear it clearly from James 2.5. Has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which he has promised to those who love him? You see, God sent the angels to announce to lowly shepherds. He didn't send the angels to announce to the rulers, to those who are in power. He, he, came to, he sent the angel to announce to, to lowly shepherds out in the field taking care of their sheep to say, I've got wonderful news for you, great news. Don't be afraid. Here's reason for joy. The birth of Christ, which makes available the riches of faith in Christ, to all who believe in him, says Second Corinthians 8, 9, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. Rich how? Rich in the wealth of spiritual riches. Rich in salvation, rich in forgiveness from sins. That's, that's real Christmas joy, people. It's the riches of Christ. It's becoming rich in forgiveness of sin by the mercies of Jesus Christ. Take away all the celebrating at Christmas. And do you think believers still have reason to rejoice? We better. We have every reason to rejoice. Here's a third one. This truth of the mercies of Christ reminds us that the good news is especially good for all who believe in Jesus Christ. In fact, the good news is only good for those who believe in Jesus Christ. The world wants to rejoice. We see it, don't we? We see at Christmas time people saying, let's celebrate. Here's a reason for a party. But they don't understand. The true reason for rejoicing is found in the forgiveness of sins. It's especially good for those who believe in Jesus Christ. That's a wonderful reason for Christmas joy. Think of the multitude of heavenly hosts proclaiming this truth. Look at verse 14. When they say, when, when it says, glory to God, the heavenly hosts gather around and sing glory to God in the highest. 
and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. You see, the world over, people want peace. They're trying to find peace in every nook and cranny of the world that they can search in. They're trying to do it with all their wealth and resources to find peace somehow. But here's the only real peace there is. It's peace among those with whom God is pleased, which means those who do as God's, as God commands. And essentially what we're talking about is those who believe in Jesus Christ, as God commands, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. You see, that's a reason for real joy. That's the only place you'll find true peace in the salvation that God offers through His Son, Jesus Christ. Real peace is only found through faith in the Savior who is Christ the Lord. Yes, all, all, all creation proclaims the glory of God. You look around even today as we see some of the gentle snow falling, we say, look at the Creator we have. Look at the God we have who creates. You see His creation and you see God. You see His creation rejoicing and proclaiming the magnificence of our Creator, God and King. Yes, all creation proclaims the glory of God, but I'll tell you what, there is absolutely nothing on earth that proclaims the glory of God like God becoming a man. Think of it. There's absolutely nothing you can see or hear, or experience on earth that's greater than the glory that God gets by sending His Son, Jesus Christ, to be born in human flesh, to take on, to take on the, the nature of a man in the way He was tempted and, and hungry and tired. and He suffered. And then He died a cruel death. And as He died, He bore the weight of our sins on Himself there's nothing that glorifies God greater than that. I would suggest there's no greater reason for joy at Christmas and at any other time of the year than that truth. God became flesh. Glory to God in the highest, the heavenly hosts proclaim, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. You see, God cannot be pleased. He cannot be pleased with those who do not believe in His Son. He cannot give peace to those who do not believe in His Son. John 17.3 puts it like this, And this is eternal life, that they know You, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom You have sent. You see, God sent His Son, making Himself known. God sent His Son to take the punishment for your sins. Great indeed, we confess, says, says, says 1 Timothy 3.16, is the mystery of godliness. He was manifested in the flesh, vindicated by the Spirit, seen by angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed on in the world taken up in glory. That, that's Christmas joy. That's true Christmas joy. So this Christmas and all year long, I say let's do like the shepherds did. Look at what they said in verse 15. They said in verse 15, let us go over to Bethlehem and let us see this thing 
that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they did that. And then in verse 16, they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And look at the shepherds do next in verse 20. And the shepherds returned, but not silently. It wasn't a silent night. Not, not now. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Let's be like the shepherds. You know, let's be like Mary and ponder these things and treasure these things up in our heart, yes? But let's be like the shepherds who didn't say, well, that was nice, now let's go home. They left glorifying and praising God, telling anyone who would listen. Let's be like the shepherds. Let's waste no time telling others. Believers today have the greatest reason for joy at Christmas than anyone else on earth. But we had better not keep the joy to ourselves. We dare not. Let's be like the shepherds. Let's waste no time telling others of Christ telling them of the Christ child who was born to save them from their sins if they just put their faith in Him, believe in Him. And let's be certain that we're the most joyful people on earth while we go. Yes? I mean, followers of Christ have, have the greatest reason for joy. We ought to be, be the most joyful people on earth. I like what Charles Spurgeon told his church on Christmas Eve in 1854. Feast, Christians, feast. You have a right to feast. Go to the house of feasting tomorrow. Celebrate your Savior's birth. Do not be ashamed to be glad. You have a right to be happy. Solomon says, Go thy way, eat thy bread with joy, and drink thy wine with a merry heart. For God now accepteth thy works. Let thy garments be always white, and, and let, uh, let thy head lack no ointment. Spurgeon goes on to say, religion never was designed to make you, to make your pleasures less. Recollect that your master ate butter and honey. Go your way. Rejoice tomorrow. But in your feasting, think of the man in Bethlehem. Let him have a place in your hearts. Give him the glory. Think of the virgin who conceived him, yes, but think most of all of the man born, the child given. Would you pray with me? Father in heaven, as we gather together today, what joy can be ours if we would put our faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, I pray, only you know if there are individuals with us today, those who have not trusted in your Son, who have not repented of sin and believed in Jesus Christ for salvation, God, I pray, soften their hearts and help them to turn to you and believe and be saved. And Father, I pray for your children today. God, do help us to see that the pleasures that are ours were never meant to be, as Spurgeon reminds us, never meant to be less than but greater than the world's. God, we have every reason to rejoice, and for that we praise you and thank you for your Son, Jesus Christ. So help us to be the most joyful people on earth as your children. Help us to return to your word daily, 
for these wonderful reminders of your goodness and grace and mercy that we might lift our voices not just on Christmas, but the rest of the year, rejoicing at the birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, grateful and thankful that he suffered and died for our sins, rejoicing that he rose again and lives eternally, and that we will too. Father, help us to rejoice together. Help us to lift our voices in song even now as we prepare to leave this place and go into the rest of our day and week. God, I pray, help your people to bring you the greatest of glory as we honor you by our obedience. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.